We are called to live faithfully for Jesus 168 hours a week. Welcome to the Faith 168 Podcast with Brandon and Chris. Welcome to another episode of the Faith 168 Podcast. Brandon and I are so glad you have joined us. And we pray that you will stay tuned throughout the duration of this episode as we continue on in our study of the book of James. Brother Brandon, as always, it's a joy to record another episode with you. So tell me how you're doing and then tell us about today's episode. Brother Chris, thank you once again for the kind greeting. I'm doing very well and I'm excited to dive into this passage of scripture with you. And I also want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in to another episode of the Faith 168 podcast. Now, in this episode, we will expound a very small passage with a very big message. Mm-hmm. And that is James chapter 4, verses 11 through 12, where the Lord's half-brother deals with speaking evil against fellow believers. Mm-hmm. What we see here is that James is back at it again, condemning sins of the tongue. And boy, he was right in chapter 3 when he said that the tongue is a world of unrighteousness and set on fire by hell. He wasn't kidding when he said that, because now he takes up the issue of sins of the tongue once again. It's amazing, the tongue is so entangled in and perverted by evil that God speaks to us about it twice in this Mm -hmm. epistle alone. It is truly a wild animal untamed by man and a wicked member of our bodies that never rests. And the tongue's thirst for evil doing is seen primarily in what James prohibits in verse 11, really in this whole passage, but primarily in verse 11. And that is speaking evil against fellow Christians. Mm -hmm. This is something we're all guilty of, unfortunately. If we were immune from this sin and exempt from this temptation, James would have saved his ink, and there would be no passage here about speaking evil against the brothers. Mm -hmm. But the fact that we have this passage in our Bibles tells us that this is a sin we can succumb to. And so let's talk about it and talk about some ways that we can overcome it. First of all, we see this command expressed in the first part of verse 11. But let's just read the whole verse to get an idea for what James is talking about here. He said, Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. And so it starts with this command, right? He says, don't speak evil against one another, brothers. Mm-hmm. But what does that mean exactly? What does it mean to speak evil against one another? Well, the term evil is really about as general as it gets, right? Right. Evil encompasses every kind of evil and every kind of evil speaking. Mm-hmm. And so James is prohibiting here gossip, slander, crude joking, spiteful talk, defamation, mm-hmm. character smearing, bad mouthing, mud slinging, backbiting, mm-hmm. muck raking, and any on. other <laughs> use of speech that is not in accordance with God's will and word. Mm-hmm. Any kind of speech that yeah. God is not pleased with. Mm-hmm. 
any kind of speech that is meant to cast down a fellow believer instead mm-hmm. of lifting them up is evil speech. Which means that no one can make fun of me, you, or Rob about our hair loss. That's right. I did yeah. mention crude joking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, there could be a debate here also about <laughs> speaking the truth in love. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> well, let's not go there. Let's keep on topic with this. Yeah, one. <laughs> yeah we'll study Ephesians later. <laughs> oh, man. But yes, um, any kind of speaking that is intended to tear down one of your spiritual siblings instead of building them up is wicked speaking that James condemns here. Basically, you know, when Paul says, speak only that which is good for building up, that gives grace to the hearer. If we do the opposite of that, then we are guilty of the sin James is condemning here. Mm -hmm. Now, why would we ever do such a thing? Because this seems kind of, well, evil. Why would we speak evil against our brothers and sisters in Christ? Mm-hmm. Well, there's a lot of situations that might bring that about. We might be provoked to anger and let something slip. We might hear rumors about somebody and feel the temptation to entertain those rumors and spread them. We might be tempted to build ourselves up by tearing another person down when we're speaking to somebody and we talk about our great virtues and we talk about their great vices. And by comparison, we build ourselves up in comparison uh, to them. Uh, When we want to hold something against someone for having injured us emotionally, maybe we're waiting for the right time to smear their character, to get back at them. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of other uh, situations that might bring this about, and but whatever they are, it's just not the Christian way right. to speak evil against our brothers and sisters. Yeah, and this sin, like all other sins, bears bitter fruit mm-hmm. and brings about calamitous consequences. And James says there in verse eleven that the consequence of such speaking is really twofold. Mm -hmm. First, he says, we start to judge other people when we shouldn't. And, now this is is one that's pretty shocking, we start to replace God's word when we shouldn't. Yeah. So first, we become judges of other people when we speak evil against them. We put ourselves in the judge's seat and begin to falsely critique a person's character. We put ourselves high on a pedestal above everyone else and judge them as the criminals Mm -hmm. while upholding ourselves as those who are holier than thou, high above those that we slander. And we'll say a lot more about this in just a moment. But even more tragically, James says we criticize the law. We criticize God's word. And actually what we do when we slander others and speak evil against them is we judge God's word and replace it. Hmm. Now, this is far worse than judging others. Yeah. And this is fascinating and powerful what James is saying here. And what he's saying is that we judge the word of God as insufficient to bring about spiritual transformation in someone's life. Oh, man. Yeah. When we slander them, when we speak evil against others. Mm -hmm. And you may be thinking, well, what does that mean? What's that really look like? Well, here's an example. 
Let's say you notice that someone is caught up in habitual sin. Uh, whatever it is, they clearly are demonstrating that they are unrepentant and they're just stuck in a snare of the devil. Yeah. I can't stop eating triple classic cheeseburgers from Wendy's. That's a pretty terrible sin, man. Yes. It's given me at least 50, 50 pounds to worry about. So, Yeah, that's a pretty <laughs> terrible sin when you could just do a, uh, what's that meal special they do? Four that, for four. Yeah, four yeah, for yeah. four. Yeah, yeah. It's not enough. I'm too It's big a for sin that. not to take them up on such a good deal, man. Right, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, when you, when you notice uh, somebody caught up in habitual sin, whether it's gluttony or something else, and instead of praying for them, which by the way is the right use of speech, right? let's say you talk behind their back to somebody and you say, Man, so and so, they really need to repent. They've really been messing up lately and they need to change their ways. Mm-hmm. Well, those statements might be true that they need to repent, they need to turn back to the Lord, just like we talked about in the last episode. Mm-hmm. But that unhelpful speech behind their back is not the means of bringing about the change that they need. Mm-hmm. God's word alone brings about that change when they read the word of God, when they study it, when they hear it, and God takes his word and changes their heart. That's the process. That's the way it works. And we would be better off speaking the truth in love, speaking God's word in love to our sinning brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. And so that's what James is getting at here when he says we criticize the law and when we replace it. And actually, you can see this with Job of old in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. His three friends profited him nothing throughout the whole book. It's just a lengthy discourse where they're criticizing him and judging him for being a sinner, for being wicked. And it accomplished nothing. It didn't bring about any uh, change of perspective in Job's heart. It wasn't until God spoke at the very end of the book that Job was humbled to accept God's sovereignty over his life. Right, And so really, if you think about it, the whole book of Job would have been cut way short if Job's friends would have just shared God's word mm-hmm. instead of judging him from afar. Right, Might have been like four or five chapters. Mm-hmm. And so we see an example there where when it comes to our brothers and sisters in Christ, we don't need to judge them from afar. We don't need to criticize them harshly. Now, if they are in the wrong, we need to bring that up. We need to do it in love. Mm-hmm. But we need to be careful not to replace the function of God's word. Mm-hmm. Speaking evil against somebody, speaking evil behind their back is not going to bring about the change that somebody needs. Right. Instead, speaking God's word in a way that is building up will bring about that change. Now, there's much more to see in these verses, and Chris is going to shine some light on these uh, verses with some helpful explanation. So, Chris, yeah. show us some further insights. Yeah, thank you for your insight on that. I really enjoyed some of those points that you made out there. And and as we continue to look at this passage, remember, we we just came from the previous verses talking about humility. So we're really continuing in this theme of humility. And one who's humbled and forgiven would not speak of another brother or sister in Christ uh, in an evil manner. And to do so, they would have to be prideful and they'd have to think that they are 
the righteous judge of sin. And ultimately, judgment is a product of pride, which is another thing that, that we really focus on as we're reading through the book of James. But remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 through 5. He said, judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. And I think there's this problem sometimes that we have with recognizing our own sin we Mm -hmm. we don't want to recognize what's going on in our life so we hyper focus on the sins of all of our brothers and sisters around us and right and there were times even as as a young man going into ministry i know i'm still technically young but i finally hit that 30 mark i'm in a different (laughs) decade and you know I can see the light shining at the end of the tunnel now, and I've got so much more wisdom on this now than I did a decade ago. <laughs> but I remember as, as a young man, man, I thought as a young minister that I was supposed to get up, I was supposed to stomp my feet and preach as they would call it hellfire and brimstone mm-hmm. and not not saying we need to ignore hell or that we don't need to be strict and in some of our practices, but there were times where I was calling out sin of so many people around me, but what did I do about my sin? I I ignored Mm. it. I made their sin so big in my eyes that my sin looked small. And then all of a sudden I started thinking about how good I am and how bad everybody else was. And it was a very toxic place to be. Because then that pride starts getting in your way, that superiority, that feeling of superiority that you have. And then no longer are you able to help your brothers and sisters because guess what? You're the best and they're insignificant. Mm. And that is completely against our call to be humble, to walk in humility. But also we see a faith called to action once more. In this passage, recall what we read earlier in the study of James in James chapter one, verse 21 through 25, where he wrote, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. And I would submit to you that when he's talking about filthiness here, that we can include slandering our brothers and sisters in Christ. But he goes on in verse 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. And simply put here, 
I believe we can come to this conclusion. One who is a doer of the word, one who is redeemed by the blood of Christ, who is worthy to be punished for their sin, yet forgiven by the grace of God, would not submit themselves as a judge over another brother or sister, because guess what? We're all on the same page. And as Paul would put it, as he wrote to the church of Rome, to judge another is to judge yourself. We see that in Romans chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. Therefore, you have no excuse, O man, everyone who judges, for in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? And we can conclude from that as well, to accurately judge another, you have to be perfect. And, and, you know, look back at what Jesus was saying. Why are you judging people when you have a log in your eye? Why are you looking at that speck? And and when we look at what Paul is, is saying here is that, there's, there's no way for you to judge another without condemning yourself. And we take the Pharisees as great examples of this great sin that they had in their life. They were great at pointing other people's sins out, yet they completely ignored their own. And that's why Jesus said, hey, in the synagogues, when you hear them reading from the word of God, because a lot of times they didn't elaborate on it, they just read that's out right. of the scroll he said listen to the pharisees and what they're reading listen mm-hmm. to that but do not do what they are doing because they were going in and they were reading the holy scripture that calls men to repentance and to walk in god's righteousness and as soon as they walked out of that synagogue they were living for themselves not in humility but in pride and then we see as we continue on to again to accurately judge another you you have to be perfect and that leads us to the next verse where James writes in James 4:12 there is only one lawgiver and judge he who is able to save and to destroy but who are you to judge your neighbor and so what i see here is is James putting it very bluntly for us mm-hmm. you're not the judge don't don't ever suppose yourself great enough, holy enough to judge another fallen human being that has been saved by God's grace because Jesus is the only true judge. And we see that in John chapter 5, verse 22, where Jesus says this. He says, for the father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the son. And there's even this really cool time in Revelation as we're sitting in the throne room of God looking at all of these events unfold that God hands over this scroll the the wrath of God is handed over to Jesus he's the only one able to unleash the full judgment of God and so Jesus is just going in in line with that expressing who he is that he is the judge But as judge, guess what Jesus could have done? Jesus could have come into this world worthy to judge us, righteous in his judgment of us. He could have 
come here and condemned us, but instead he came in love and he came here to save us. Isn't that what we see in John 3.17? Sometimes we miss John 3.17 because of John 3.16. Right. But John 3.17 says this for... God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And we also come to this conclusion through scripture as well. If we've been justified by Christ, he has saved us. Guess what? No one can bring a charge against us. And if no one can bring a charge against us, why would we spend our time bringing a charge against our brothers and sisters in Christ? And we see that in Romans 8, 31 through 35, a very popular scripture that we read. And I think we need to apply it more to our lives sometimes. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And so as we take all of this in, we know that Satan is the accuser. The devil is our accuser. And and really, as we're looking at these things, we're we're understanding as as you read through the book of Romans that we have died to sin and we're alive to God, that we have been redeemed, we have been justified. And a man once told me a, a cool definition of being justified, just as if I'd never sinned. And so right. Jesus, he takes our sin, he wipes it away, and Satan has no power over us because the only power he had on us was that he was able to accuse us of our sin. And when our sin is forgiven, when our sin is taken care of, then the devil can't accuse us. The devil can't speak ill of us. He can't tear us down. And so really a brother speaking ill of a brother or sister in Christ is acting like the devil in that That's sense. Right. And, and, you know, I, I can, I feel like I would have the right to tell a brother or sister at that time in the words of Jesus, Satan stand behind me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, I, and I hope I never have to say that, but unfortunately this is something that does happen in the church and happens far too often. And we must be mindful of it. And we can't just sit here in pride and think this is a sin that someone else struggles with. I think we need to be realistic about Mm -hmm. our fallen nature as humans and how we sometimes fail in that sin as well. Because when you ignore it and you think it's not something you deal with, guess what? Satan has his foot in the door and he's ready to make you fall in that way because you are not paying attention. But furthermore, we stand before our master and we submit all judgment to him. We don't look at people and say, I'm going to judge them, even if it's someone that is coming against you, trying to bring you down. You say, you know what? I'm giving all judgment to Christ. He is the only one worthy to judge. He is the only one who can righteously judge. And so uh, we we find this verse in Romans 14, 4, who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? 
And when we pass judgment on someone, it's, it's almost like saying they belong to us. They're, they're inferior mm-hmm. to us and they belong to us. Right. And who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? No one in the church, like take, take pastors, for example, this is something that gets tossed out about pastors. People call pastors sometimes to serve them and not meaning to serve in a spiritual sense, but to serve them in whatever way they deem necessary to be served. You know, you've got to preach a certain length sermon and a certain style sermon, and you've got to do this and do that. And we really get out of the Bible on a lot of these guidelines for pastors. But the truth is a pastor is a servant of Christ. And so is a church member. Mm -hmm. They're a servant of Christ. Therefore, a pastor can't pass judgment on another person and a member can't pass judgment on other members or pastors or leaders in the sense of trying to condemn them and step into that seat of judgment that belongs to Christ. But who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls and he will be upheld for the Lord is able to make him stand. And so we can condemn sin as sin. I'm not saying don't do that. We, we need to be strong in the scripture. We need to preach it boldly. We need to call each other to repentance of sin. But you can't condemn anyone. You can't go behind their back and complain about it. If a brother or sister is is going astray, if they're, they're stumbling in sin, what good is it if all you do is make fun of them? Mm-hmm. What good is it if right. all you do is whisper behind their back? You're You're sitting there. And you're watching them fall. And as a brother or sister, that's not showing love for someone that's supposed to be a part of your family, a part of the family of Mm -hmm. God. If you see someone falling, you can call it out. You can say, hey, look, that's sin, man. Or that's sin, sister. You know, let's let's talk about this. Let's get back on track. Do so in a loving manner. Mm -hmm. But if you just judge them and say, look at how bad they are. Well, you really need a mirror. So condemn sin is sin, but you cannot condemn anyone because you, when you were outside of Christ, only earned condemnation. Therefore, since Christ lifted you up and has lifted your brothers and sisters up who are all walking in the darkness, sons and daughters of disobedient, seek to lift others up. The way that Jesus lifted us up by encouraging them instead of judging them. Do you have anything to add to that passage? Yeah, that's very good, Chris. And I appreciate you bringing up that point where when we do see a brother or sister stumbling, it would be a sin not to say something about it. Mm -hmm. And we do need to do that. But there's a difference between doing that and being guilty of the sin that James condemns here. Mm-hmm. You know, he's talking about just talking behind their back, judging them, tearing them down, not going to them in love and trying to help them. Right. See, that's what we're called to do is when we see somebody stumbling, uh, we're to go to them and correct them in humility and in kindness. That's why Paul told us in Galatians 6 verse 1. And by the way, this is this sums it up. This is really helpful. Paul said, brothers... If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Right. 
So he he's portraying this real life scenario that happens in the church and among our relationships with our uh, spiritual siblings. If somebody's caught in a transgression, you know they're caught up in sin. You who are spiritually mature and you recognize this, you should restore them. Go to them, rebuke them in love, lift them up, but do so in a spirit of gentleness, right? not harshness, mm-hmm. not aggressiveness. And that harshness and aggressiveness is what James is condemning here. Right. And so, yeah, you, you bring up a very good point also in saying what James is saying here is that judgment is God's job. Mm-hmm. It's not our job. It's too big of shoes for us to fill, quite frankly. Oh, yeah, definitely. And so yeah, we just need to leave that to the Lord, and mm-hmm. we need to make sure we're fulfilling our responsibility to keep watch on ourselves, judge ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, take that uh, plank out of our own eye. Right. And if we do have brothers and sisters who are falling by the wayside, we need to lift them up. Yeah, yeah. And James, he closes this section with a probing question, as you can see. He just simply says, but who are you to judge your neighbor? Well, and the obvious answer from us needs to be this. Sometimes I do judge my neighbor and I'm a fool to do so. I sometimes put myself in God's place and wrongfully claim the authority that only God has. Rather than focusing on obeying God's law myself, I often criticize others for their failure to obey. I render wrong verdicts and jump to quick conclusions about people's actions and motives. And sometimes I don't show love, but rather judgment. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that needs to be our honest confession in response to James' question here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, And I think, too, when we get down to it, maybe we should start acting like we're famous people that are in the spotlight. Because if a famous person renders a judgment of someone else, mm-hmm. you, there's a whole spat over it. And every negative thing that the other person does, even if it's not a part of the argument or what they were talking about, is brought to the light. You know, some some politician or celebrity or singer uh, says, I don't like so-and-so because of this. You're going to have... Mm-hmm people on both sides, digging up the whole past. Why? Because the question is, who are they to have the right to judge someone in this way? And the truth is this, if they can find one scrap of dirt on that person, it stands to this understanding that they have no right to judge. Mm -hmm. And we should adopt that mentality that if we've done wrong, then we're not the ones to judge others' wrongs. We're the ones to love others the way that Jesus has loved us and he picked us up out of the dirt and we're not to push our brothers and sisters further into the dirt. So since I've done wrong, I'm not going to judge someone because guess what? They can go back and look at what's in my life and my past, sometimes not even necessarily my past. And they can say, here's where you went wrong. Mm -hmm. And I'll have to admit you're exactly right. I'm sorry. Let's work through this together. Wow. But brother, I've enjoyed recording another episode with you. Amen. Do you have any last thoughts to share before we dismiss? No, I think you nailed it with that metaphor mm-hmm. um, about uh, Jesus lifting us from the dirt and we don't need to push our brothers and sisters in the dirt either. Yeah. yeah. Well, 
thank you all for, for joining us, Brother Brandon. You go ahead and dismiss us in prayer then. Sure, absolutely. Our Father, we thank you so much for uh, the fact that you have saved us from our sin when you could have just judged our sins in full. Mm -hmm. We thank you for providing that salvation in Jesus Christ. But Father, we know we are frail and feeble and we succumb to this temptation of speaking evil about our brothers and sisters in Christ. And Lord, we pray you might forgive us of this failure that we often give into and that you might bridle our tongue. Put a guard over our mouth, Lord, and prevent us from speaking wickedly. And Father, simultaneously, we pray that you might use our speech to give grace to others. Yes. May everything we say be seasoned with salt, as Paul says. Yes. May everything that pours forth from our mouth be good for upbuilding and not tearing down. And help us always to recognize that you are the judge. We are not, and we are to love others in both our deeds and words. Mm-hmm. And so again, thank you for this time together. Thank you for this passage. And we pray all these things in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Faith 168 Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review on whatever streaming platform you are using. If you have a prayer request or have a topic that you would like us to cover, message us on the Faith 168 Podcast Facebook page, and we will see you in 168 hours.